Welcome back, or if you're new to the podcast, hello, my name is Katie. Today we have a repeat guest, Amelia Ruby, founder of Softer Sound Studio and host of the podcast Off the Grid, is back for part two of our conversation. And it is actually a, a could be a standalone conversation. It's long, as you can see from the length of this. And you could, you know, just dive in here and go back to the first conversation that we did. Or if you want to stop listening now and go back to that one, in part one, it was the first time we spoke and we focused on her experience leaving social media and the feelings that come with navigating staying on social media, which I am choosing to do, Instagram specifically, but we talk about using it both personally and professionally, including the nuances of it, social capital and parasocial relationships and just the general heightened emotions that are tied up in using it. Obviously, that's a big, huge topic. So it took us a while and we didn't have time to focus on another huge part of her work, which is audio. She has a background in radio and currently produces podcasts, hosts a couple podcasts, produces a bunch of podcasts specifically that I listen to and love and hosts who have been on this podcast that you're listening to now, like Marley Grace and Michelle and Wallace from Holisticism, Softer Sounds, Amelia's Studio produces those shows as well as so, so many more. I'm sure many more that I don't even know of. And we got into a conversation about the medium of podcasting that went all over. You know, we spoke about how we have both used it to build connections and how the medium has evolved, where she sees the future of the industry. And, you know, at, at one point, I just, I'm just remembering this now, I cry and I, I talk about my last 10 years here and how I've seen it evolve and get a little bit vulnerable about, you know, the future of, of this podcast and also what I love so much about this medium. And part of that is conversation. It definitely covers that, but it also, you know, we get into being an auditory learner and what I've gotten from being a consumer of of podcasts. We talk about deep listening, what makes a good conversation, and much more. There really is something for everyone. But if you are an aspiring podcaster or you do want to start a podcast or you've considered it, I think you'll you'll get a lot from this episode. And also, we're here to help both Amelia and I. So if you do have questions or would like a thought partner in coming up with a concept or Deciding, you know, is this concept that I've been thinking about, does it make sense to make it a podcast or would it be better suited for Substack or a live event series or a panel discussion or a zine? I don't know, but we are here to help you find out. And regardless, check out all of Amelia's work, including Off the Grid, her podcast, and her other podcast about Tara, we'll, we'll link to obviously everything and support her work because she's incredible. And she works with people one-on-one -on -one podcasting advising, which is something that I also do. So, you know, we're here for you, both of us, <laughs> one of us, whatever, whatever works. And I, 
I just want to mention that briefly here at the top. We don't have a sponsor today, so I'm just putting this this episode up because I want to, and I hope it is useful to you in some way. And if it does inspire you to want to start a podcast or talk about if that is the right choice for you and you do want to speak to either of us, I'll have ways to work with us in the show notes as well as a link to a online course group workshop. It's called the Podcast Kit and I made it several years ago, but I've been updating it a little bit here and there. I had been working with people one-on-one podcast advising for a while and I ended up making a place where I had everything I've ever learned about interviewing, marketing, and monetizing the podcast, coming up with a concept, naming it, getting it to iTunes, all the technology around it. And I put it in one place and it's called the podcast kit and it still exists. And I'm making it 50% off if you listen to this and want to try it. You can also just do the first two modules completely for free. So let me know. I am really happy you're here. Thank you so much for listening. And you, we get into this, but there are so many podcasts to choose from. I am just always in awe that anyone wants to come here and spend time with this one. I'm so grateful. And without further ado, my conversation with Amelia Ruby. Amelia is back. And to be honest with all of you, we have been talking about podcasting. I got a mic technique lesson. We've geeked out on equipment (laughs) um, and talked about something really, really cool that you you just did. Is it, would you mind sharing what, where you just were? Oh yeah, sure. So between recording part one and part two, I went to the Blue Ridge Mountains for a week. I was in Madison County, Marshall, North Carolina, teaching a group of rising ninth graders how to make podcasts. And it was so nourishing and so fun and such a great reminder of everything that being a teenage girl involves the good the bad the amazing the not so amazing <laughs> every part of it it was it was really great that is so cool that you did that how were they with podcasts like do teens listen to podcasts are podcasts cool are podcasts dorky are podcasts i mean obviously everyone there knew what they were getting into Unless, you know, they, they were dragged there by, by, <laughs> by someone to keep them occupied in the summer. But could you get a general scent, like vibe of what they thought of the medium? Yeah. All of the girls I was working with definitely knew what podcasts were. They all listened to podcasts. Um, some of them were really into comedy podcasts. Others were more into like fictionalized podcasts. One of them was listening to a bunch of like D&D podcasts, um, which is a whole genre of podcasts that I know is really big that I've never really uh, dove into. But yeah, they really loved it. I think that they also... I was impressed. They listen to a lot of podcasts on Spotify and then they watch a lot of podcasts on YouTube. I feel like I've read all the like Edison research reports that are like Gen Z exclusively does podcasts on YouTube. (laughs) And um, I was happy to find it was a mix of both. And so it was a little bit of um, a little bit of everything, but they definitely really love podcasts and really love the form and really just were excited to create something of their own. That's cool. Do they not use the podcast app though, like the Apple one? 
Yeah, no, they don't. Um, I didn't see a single one of them open Apple Podcasts. It was all Spotify or YouTube. Why do you think that is? Well, some of it is that they don't have iPhones. So I think that especially because this was a group of teenagers, you know, iPhones are very expensive. I don't know how many of us want to buy a 14-year-old, a $1,200 device. Of course. I'm not even thinking of that. I didn't even have a cell phone when I was a teen. I mean, an iPhone, of course, didn't exist, but wow. Yeah, yeah. So I think that's a big piece of it. And then I also think they just really like, they listen to all their music on Spotify. And so podcasts being there um, is just really convenient and kind of obvious, like a next step for them. So um, yeah, which it was just really fascinating, though, because you know, my own podcast, and I'd be curious what it is for Let It Out, but like for Off The Grid, I think it's still like 60 or 70% of listeners are listening through Apple podcasts. Um, That's still kind of predominant, I think, in my audience but i was definitely watching it shift working with these teens wow that's fascinating where do you listen to podcasts and and do you listen to podcasts like what is your experience of listening to shows for your own you know learning pleasure yeah. consumption <laughs> when you are not only making multiple shows as a host producer Mm -hmm. and, you know, content calendar maker, and then also (laughs) consulting on countless others, editing so many others. You're so in this can't, it's kind of like asking an actor if they can watch TV (laughs) without it being like work. Yeah. Yeah. I list, I, so the tools I use, I listen on Apple podcasts for my own personal listening. And then I use the overcast app to subscribe to all of our client shows at Softer Sounds. So like every client we have, I subscribe to in there so I can kind of keep work in its own place. And if I need to like check if something went up or how it looks or whatever, it's all in that app. Um, And then I also use sometimes the Good Pods app, which is like a social podcasting app. Um, And they let you make kind of like lists of podcasts. So I'll use that for things as well at times. but does it feel, <laughs> am I an actor who can't watch TV? To some degree, yes. Um, I edit at this stage of softer sounds, which we're definitely in a growth stage right now. And I've really kind of been, I've been pushing myself and I've been working more than I would ideally like to. But, you know, I'll edit anywhere from four to eight episodes a week. And that means I'm listening a lot as I'm editing. And when I'm doing that, I am not listening to a single other podcast. <laughs> like I can't, I don't have the capacity to like hear anymore. Um, and so if I'm not editing, that I'm not listening. But when I'm not, when I'm more at my ideal of editing just a few things a week, then I'll still listen to other shows. I've gotten really into listening to fiction podcasts because as a studio, we don't edit those. So it feels different. Um, I would say I've pretty much quit listening to like business podcasts, wellness podcasts, the things that we're really editing all the time. Um, Cause I'm so immersed in our client shows. Like I don't, I don't need any more of that, that goodness. That's kind of where I'm at with it, but I've been on break for a few weeks and I loved listening, um, catching up with some of my favorite shows, like on flights as I've been traveling and mm-hmm. turning back in and spending time with my, you know, my fave host friends who I don't know. Um <laughs> <laughs> you know, like the host of like normal gossip or 
uh, maintenance phase. I'm like, oh, I missed you all. Um, so it's nice to have them back in my earbuds when I have a little more like uh, auditory capacity for that. Yeah. Yeah. I I similarly go across different apps, although I I don't use Overcast and I never heard of the good pod. I just, I took notes on those. Mm. I am always listening to so many and I have so many queued up at all times in the Apple app. <laughs> and so then I'll go over to Spotify to not mess up my queue because mm. I probably have some, this happened this morning. I was listening to yours and then I had a different episode of yours queued up. I didn't want to mess up in my other queue. I mean, it's ridiculous. <laughs> but I also use this Snipped app. Do you know that one? As no, I don't. Uh, Michelle and Wallace turned me onto it from Holisticism, mm. fr- mutual friends and uh, clients of, of yours. And it's S N. it's like without the vowels, S N P D, I think. Maybe there's, they do put the I in there, but you can, it also a social app and you can, mm-hmm. there's all these different groups and you can take little clips of, oh, this really good part about the, and I use it to prep for interviews. It's, it's become very mm-hmm. useful for me with that. I did it a lot when I was prepping for this and primarily part one, but I'll, you know, it can transcribe things too. And so oh, it cool. transcribes things and then you can copy and paste and, um, I use it for my own show to make the the videos for social media and and just to have clips. It's, it's quite useful for that. So, yeah, that sounds amazing. I've used for clips. This sounds like a really great tool for creators. I think as from like a listener perspective, I've used Hark H A R K, which allows you to kind of clip and make playlists of clips, and they have a really great curation team, and I've enjoyed that. Um, I also really like Listen Notes, which is not an app, but is like a podcast search engine. Do you ever use that? No, and I'm fully taking notes. We are. This is. Like, <laughs> I feel like we're having the the recorded version of a of a call that we would just have you and I of of learning. Yeah. Like we have some some overlap, some really uh-huh. different things. This is this is kind of incredible. <laughs> Yeah, no, I love it. It's basically just the show notes will just be a list of like all the podcast apps that mm-hmm. people can go download. <laughs> yeah, same, I'm sure same with equipment, same with interview techniques. Like I think that's mm-hmm. kind of what this will be. But no, I, I, how do you use Listen Notes? So it's basically a podcast episode search engine. So I, sometimes I use it if I'm trying to find like a bunch of shows someone's been a guest on. So it's great for research in that way. Um, or you can search keywords. So often I'll search names, but you can also do keyword searches. So every few months I'll get on there and search like leaving social media and check out the landscape of like, what are all the podcasts about this? And are there any people I want to like cross pollinate with or collab, like reach out to and see if we might collaborate on something. Um, or sometimes if, you know, I'm, for instance, you connected me and Christy Harrison to be off the grid so I could go search her and then search her, uh, her book. And then, so, you know, kind of get a lot more information about what she's up to. So, um, it's really great for that because Apple podcasts and Spotify and every podcast listening platform are notoriously bad for search. Like <laughs> it's hard to search. They're not very good at keyword searching. So you just go into Apple podcasts and you just search like social media, you know, you're going to get a bunch of podcasts with social media in the title. But that doesn't necessarily mean you're going to get like the best episodes or things like that. So I like listen notes for that type of research. Yeah. Wow. 
This is incredibly helpful. Well, let's take people back a little bit. And I want love for you to just start out, you know, giving, you know, it's like you were meeting someone at a, at a party and they asked about your origin story with this medium, with, with podcasts. Do you have a memory of first listening to them or mm. radio that in when was there a moment that you knew you wanted to start one? Yeah. I have different answers to all those questions. <laughs> um, so I was definitely a kid who like whose dad played NPR in the car all the time and I hated it and I just wanted to listen to top 40 radio stations growing up. <laughs> so I was not, you know, like a long time I want to be a radio host or producer sort of person. Um, I think the first podcast I ever listened to, I'm sure, was Serial, um, which is, you know, a very common entry point for our generation. You know, the first, I'd say, like a viral hit podcast. And then, you know, how did I get started? Well, I never set out to make podcasts. I loved music. And when I moved to Chicago for grad school, I volunteered to be an on-air DJ for a radio station called Chirp, which stands for Chicago Independent Radio Production, something like that. Um, project. I think it's project. <laughs> and I started DJing for Chirp and I had a show from six to nine, I think on Tuesdays for years. And after I'd been there for about a year, the station manager, director um, asked me if I was interested in working on their production team or their features team and making a podcast interviewing local musicians. And I was like, this is great. I would love to meet all these bands that I've been listening to, but I don't know how to podcast. And they were like, that's fine. We'll teach you. So the folks at Chirp taught me how to use a recorder, how to edit an audacity and how to put an episode together. And it just became this like really special skill that I enjoyed and that I cultivated. And then starting a podcast, I I think I got about halfway through grad school and I felt like I was kind of stuck. I wasn't sure if I wanted to go into academia. I wasn't sure what I was doing with all these different skill sets I kind of cultivated. I do remember this very clearly. I had a conversation with a friend of mine some like weekday evening. She lived out in Portland and she was talking about how she was thinking about like putting her stuff in storage and going on like a long road trip and just like traveling and working and figuring out what she wanted to do next. But at the time, she didn't really feel like she could do that because she had this job. And I remember I heard her say all of that. And I was like, I could do that. There's literally no reason I can't kind of conceive of a way to travel around the country and do a cool creative project. And the next day I woke up and I just had this idea <laughs> really like downloaded overnight. Um that I was going to travel around the US and interview feminist activists and artists and make a podcast that kind of highlighted feminist activism, particularly in places that people didn't think it existed. And that became my first podcast, which was called 50 Feminist States. And I crowdfunded, I think just over $13,000 to do two road trips interviewing people. And it was just a really amazing experience. And I think really the beginning of my podcast career. Mm, wow. You would have loved 
my mom's radio choice <laughs> because she was all <laughs> top 40 all the time. And I, mm-hmm. I didn't know what NPR was. That's how, <laughs> and which I think is sort of embarrassing now as such a, I'm like the Terry Gross's biggest fan and I love mm-hmm. fresh air and, and, NPR now as a as a grown up but I wasn't aware of what it was until I was in college trying to be a TV news reporter and all of our prereqs were radio classes mm. and that we had to listen to interviews as 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 part of it and my grandfather worked in in radio he was a sports announcer and mm. traveled with a basketball team doing the radio so I was like vaguely aware but this is this is top of mind because as as you mentioned Christy Harrison earlier, my my friend and she was just in town for her book tour and we were doing all of these essentially live interviews. I was in conversation with her about her book and we figured out that we both started our podcast on the exact same day in 2013, <laughs> which is so bizarre, very very strange. March and. W- at that time, you know, it I we I used to always say pre-serial and you would know what that means, but now mm-hmm. people don't. Like I think time has passed enough that like <laughs> serial's not as big of a thing. And I didn't even listen yeah. to serial, but I would just kind of mm-hmm. say that of like, I don't know why, you know. But it's so funny just how and especially thinking about how we all start this in in, in so many different ways and end up circling back to like when Christy started Food Psych, her first podcast, she was also in grad school and needed a creative outlet and was doing a lot of improv and had a lot of friends who were comedians. So she was listening to a lot of Mark Marin. It was like, maybe I could do this related to this. Like we kind of take all of our interests and and move it just like people would with blogging or, you know, now Substack or whatever. And this this medium is so much more intimate to me than than any of the others. And it, it's mm-hmm. really cool how you got your start with with chirp. That is that is so cool. That's my my literal dream. Like I've been wanting to interview more <laughs> musicians, and I love doing that so much. When I whenever I get the chance to, and um, I was a a DJ at our college radio station. I was like terrible at it, and just constantly intimidated by everyone else's taste in music. Mm. That I felt like I had no no place there. But just being around that was so cool. And there's something about radio that I find so beautiful in a in a world of of short videos and and so image based the fact that you know I always make the the tired self-deprecating joke about like oh face for radio but truly like the reason I think I could sustain this and I'm curious your experience with this too is I I never had to worry about what I looked like for this I never I you know mostly I'm Mm-hmm. I now record in person more often, but for many years, I I never did. I did it on Skype. I didn't even know Zoom existed. And the fact that, you know, I didn't have to consider lighting or where it was and could talk to anyone from anywhere was was such a, a beautiful thing and still is. There's something about the non-visual aspect about that. Have you found that? Yeah, I definitely have. I think that, you know, with both of my podcasts through Softer Sounds, I did video for the first season and I... Oh, you did? I did. Yeah. And so I would just like 
prep and then I would do like a one take video. The videos were unedited and I'd put them on YouTube and I edit the audio before it went live and it wasn't sustainable for me. It was kind of exhausting. Um, I found both to feel like I needed to get it all perfectly right the first time and that I was going to have to like look a certain way and like feel on in that capacity. And I think that I agree with you. I think a conversation is really intimate. And I think there is something really captivating about video, but then it also becomes very performative. And that doesn't have to be bad. Like I, you know, I'm a philosopher at heart. So when I say performative, I think of like, you know, Judith Butler and like performance is not a bad thing. Um, but I I have to like summon much more energy to perform. And when I just arrive for a conversation like this, I don't feel like I have to do that. Um, and I think honestly, especially knowing a little bit about you and your your journey and and thinking again about like Christie's work, right? Like when we're kind of steeped in wellness spaces and, you know, a real um, insecurity or like certain type of awareness about our bodies, like just the freedom of not having to be visible can be really liberating. And I think that that is also something that draws me to podcasting. It's one less thing to think about, you know, it's one less barrier to entry. And and I think that's part of it. But another part of it, I and as you know, as we're recording this right now, I I ask guests in <laughs> when we record in person, I, I don't make it like, you know, Catholic confession where I make them go behind a screen. I am making eye contact. And if you were in L.A., <laughs> we'd be doing this in person and you'd be at sitting at my kitchen table and we'd be you know drinking tea. And I mm-hmm. love that, too. That's a different thing. But there's something about whenever it's on Zoom, I, I just tend to think. The video is not going to be that interesting. I, I, as you know, which we, which we did, we took a photo. Mm-hmm. I take a screenshot and I always turn the video on to mm-hmm. start. And at the end is to be like, I am a real person, not a voice, you know, whether I'm talking to someone I've never met or that I've met just so they can orient to where I am in time and space and I can see where they are. And that, that can be part of the conversation. But once I see that, like they're not moving, there's not really anything else to, See, and I think there is something to Catholic confession. Not that I I take anything from 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 those traditions. Well, I don't know. Maybe there are other things I take, but I think there's something to the fact that people can be looser when they're not looking you in the eye. You know, like if you think Mm -hmm. of, I can take away the confession um, analogy, but when when (laughs) a teenager is talking on the phone for hours and hours and hours like now they probably are are facetiming and that's a a different thing but god i i there's nothing i love more than voice texting my friends tons and tons and tons while walking around or talking on the phone and i honestly don't facetime very often i i facetime mm-hmm. my friends here who are um i'm like try, i'm like where are you let's hang out that's the only really use for it because when I really want to have a nice conversation, I, I prefer it to be just audio. And in in the case of this, what we're doing right now, the reason I have the video turned off is partly because I want to have the conversation and experience the conversation as the listeners will, which is mm-hmm. out without video. So anyway, I'm curious your your perspective on that, though. Like, what is your preferred way to 
have conversations um, when, you know, whether it's podcasting or connecting with friends. Yeah. Well, I think what's at the center of all of this is, and it's like the crux of the intimacy of a podcast or a converse, a phone conversation is listening. And I think that in my experience, listening is when I lend my attention to something like in the most profound way, like in the deepest way, the most meaningful to me way. And I'm really interested in kind of re recentering around listening. So, you know, even the simple act of telling someone like, I hear you rather than I see you, <laughs> um, feels really special to me. And I certainly do FaceTime people if that's what they like, or, you know, I'm on Zoom calls all the time or video Zoom meetings all the time. But what I love about podcasting is just that listening aspect. And part of what I, I did when I was, you know, in just in North Carolina teaching this program is we did like a whole day of deep listening and learning to listen with our whole bodies um, and learning to really take in sound as, you know, through our pores, through all aspects of ourselves. And I just really enjoy that practice. It makes me feel closer to things. Whereas I think seeing, like watching a video for me, whether it's a FaceTime or you on YouTube or a TV episode, I mean, visual mediums are beautiful. I just think the visual mediated through the digital, we've just been so trained to expect it to like entertain and delight us. And when I'm on video, I feel that pressure to entertain and delight the other person, whether it's my mom on FaceTime um, or recording a video podcast that I'm going to put on YouTube. And there's something to me that when I take that away, you know, my voice it almost feels like my voice is like laid bare and I love that. And then I get to really listen to the other person mm. and that feels special. Yeah. Wow. Absolutely. I mean, I think it's what they say of it. One of my friends um, doesn't hear so well. And so she has, she has these really cool hearing aids and they help her, but we were on a hike and she was saying how these flowers were so fragrant and my other friend and I were like, Oh wow. Yeah. Your sense of smell is probably like off the charts. And she's like, yeah, it's, I mean, and she's also an incredible cook and we're like, Oh yeah, of course that makes sense. Like when one sense is heightened, you know, that's kind of an adaptive quality. And I, and I think that we're making that by, by turning the video off and wow, just what mm -hmm. an incredible experience that you you offered at the workshop to be able to to teach deep listening in that way. I how do I get in next year? Can I can I can a, um, a teenager trapped in a thirty three year old body be somehow get in there? Oh my gosh! If only I mean I'm like how do I take this the workshop wow. that I, I've led? Um, no, I mean, it's something I'd love to do with adults at some point. But I will also say that like, I've learned deep listening, just through like reading and listening to the work of Pauline Oliveros. She's got a great book called Deep Listening. There's a whole deep listening institute or center. And there are retreats on this all over the world led by folks who've trained in her um, methods. And 
it's really powerful stuff. So there's definitely other places to kind of encounter and enjoy it as well. Wow. Wow. Is there a quick, like, what, what is your, you, you explained it a little bit like poor listening, but is there anything else you can say about deep listening that, cause I'm not even really familiar with it at all. I know yeah. the term, but I haven't, I'm going to, I'm very excited to check out that book. Yeah. I think the most, um, kind of what I taught these, you know, teens, and this is oversimplified, but I think a powerful way that I process it is like hearing happens through our ears to some degree. Listening happens in our brains or our minds. It's where we like make sense of the things that we hear. And then deep listening happens with our whole body because sound doesn't simply like come into our ears and that's it. (laughs) Um, You know, we can feel sound um, we can, our body also then intakes information from all the other senses and we make sense of sound with all of our senses. So it's not simply that like we hear and we listen in our ears and our brains, but we can deep listen with our whole bodies. And that practice, I mean, often with sort of deep listening, you'll focus on movement practices to help your body, your whole body here. You'll focus on breath practices to calm your system such that you can actually intake more um, from the external world and the internal world. And then there's a lot of, um, like one of my favorite practices is like the extreme slow walk where you go on an extremely slow walk and just practice noticing yourself and the sound of the world around you. There's also a lot of stuff on silence as sound. Um, so yeah, anyway, I, I don't, <laughs> there's so much we could go into, yeah, but I that's, think that's a nice little like teaser of, of what we're doing with, with deep listening. Thank you. Yeah. I'm, I'm fascinated. And I, I saw this exhibit at the Rubin museum right before I left New York about, or maybe, maybe it wasn't right before, but at several years ago, about deep listening. And I've been, it was, I guess I just never applied it in the context of conversation and, and podcasting. I thought about it more around sound and music, but I'm, thank you for mm. reminding me to consider it in, in this zone as well. It makes so much sense. And anyway, I, this, this is the beginning of my notes, unfortunately. <laughs> so this is where I was, what I would have said is, um, I'd like to start with something that I I heard you say or you wrote somewhere, but you said, everything I have that I wanted arrived when I released what I thought I should want and channeled everything towards my deeper purpose. I'd love to hear more about that. And this could totally be a dead end, but from my perception, I feel like this medium of podcasting has been related to to your deeper purpose and i'm i'm curious if that lands with you for me the my 20s kind of as a whole were really about just like shedding narratives that had either been projected onto me or that i had kind of picked up from the world and not necessarily actively chosen you know so narrative like a lot of it was really patriarchal standards for my behavior, for my body, for my dreams and plans for the future. Um, I really had to work, you know, being a woman who was raised 
in the South. I, the first, one of the first steps was like shedding this narrative that I was going to like get married and a man was going to take care of me. I had to get rid of that one. Um, I had to get rid of a lot of beauty standards that were just like, I mean, I would say literally killing me to uphold. Um, I had to let go of so many just like dampers and constrictions on my own personal power that like I wouldn't let myself step into because I was always waiting to kind of be in the background of somebody else's story or journey. I was always waiting to be taken care of. And then there were, you know, all these ideas of like what a career should look like, how much money I should make, how much time I should spend working, what type of place I should live in. <laughs> um, so much of that. And and I really feel like I spent years and years just trying to notice where I had internalized all of these things and then letting them go, which makes it sound easy. Like I could just let it go, but it's, you know, much more like an archeological excavation, digging it out of myself and then being like, look at this and then figuring out what to do with it um, with a lot of support. And so at the same time, like what I wanted most during all of that period was clarity. Like I really wanted to know like, what's the thing I should be doing in the world? Like kind of like, what is my purpose? And I think what I realized over time is that for me, like my, even when what I said earlier, like in alignment with my deepest purpose, like I couldn't necessarily tell you right now what that purpose is. I've taken a million workshops on finding your purpose. I've done all of the journaling you can do around this. Um, but it's really just a feeling for me of when I feel the most free and the most aligned with my values and the most embedded in my community. Like that's when I know I've really tapped in to my purpose. And I think you're right. The podcasting really has been a part of that. Um, I think that using my voice has been really liberating and powerful for me. And I think becoming comfortable with that has been a really important part of my journey. Um, I think that podcasting has also allowed me to start my own business and be self-employed, which has been very challenging, but extremely freeing for me to feel. And I really feel like kind of through all of this work, I've been able to like fully step into my power, which I think to me means like living the life I want to live and also feeling like I really can provide for myself, which I guess goes back to where I started all of this. I think it's always been such a narrative for me that women are to be provided for. And I've spent a decade just learning and trusting that I can provide for myself. Um, and that's pod podcasting has like been one of the tools that really got me here. It's so cool. And again, like I think we all have such different programming around that from where we grew up or who we grew up around, even though, you know, I think you and I generationally are are very close. Mm -hmm. But, you know, that growing up in I didn't I grew up in a very small town in the Midwest. It wasn't like I was on the coast or anything, but I think just because I was raised by a single mom who, you know, always, mm -hmm. I didn't, I never had that particular one, but I think for, for me, it was more 
you have to have a full-time job with insurance and you're not going to like your job. And yeah. like, I had no models as a freelancer, you know, or, or an artist or a, you know, so it's just, we all have a, and for someone listening, neither of these things could resonate and they have other, other both expanders and contractors, you know, and <laughs> it's, it's really interesting. And, and honestly, like this is sort of a, a, a nice transition to where we left off last time, where we focused on the personal side of social media and interacting on Instagram specifically in part one of this conversation. Similarly with podcasting, something that I always say, podcasting is my networking and my podcast has led to so many incredible relationships on the end of becoming friends with guests and listeners and mm -hmm. connecting with so many people. And, and I, I love that about it. But also, as a consumer of this medium, it has given me so much access to people who are incredibly expansive to me that I feel like I know in a, in a deeper way than even if I had just read their book hearing them interviewed add something and and I don't think I could get that in a in following them on social media for sure or in a video of them unless it was a very long form interview where I probably would just have it on my phone and and be listening to it like a podcast which is what I tend to do <laughs> with with YouTube like that so maybe it's because I'm an auditory learner or maybe it's just there's something about the conversation intimacy but that's something that has helped me to see what's possible for me to to take things in and and I'm I'm curious has that been your experience from a from a consumer perspective but but also you know when I say that you know podcasting is is the new networking how does how does that land for you and you know something a, a guest said to me Carrie Lynn a, a friend of mine she said Often we think we want fame, but we really crave access. And I mm. sat with that for a while and and I think I agree. And I think in a way I use my show to meet people I have always wanted to meet. And it doesn't always happen. But in the case with you, I'm getting to have a conversation with you probably because I have this podcast right now, mm -hmm. if I'm very honest. And I, your work has become very meaningful to me. I discovered you, unfortunately for me, recently. And <laughs> I don't think unless I hired you to work with you on something, which I will probably do, you know, who, who knows? There's a yeah. world in which that can happen <laughs> at some point. Totally. But, but right now, today, we wouldn't be meeting each other. And that's not not lost in me. So has that been your experience? Yeah. Oh, so much goodness in what you just shared. I think the first thing I'll say is I do love podcasts and listening to podcasts, but I would not identify as an auditory learner. Um, and so it's always kind of surprised me that I landed here. You know, I, I do think a lot of especially early adopters to podcasting were people who were like, oh, I learned so much if I can just listen. And that was never me. So I always kind of thought podcasts weren't for me for a few years. And then I started listening. And I think I really appreciated something else that you shared, which is just that 
I like hearing people in conversation. I like things that are a dialogue. And when you read somebody's book or take in, you know, their Instagram, it's a monologue. Like it's what they've decided to say on their own. And certainly there are inputs to that. There are editors, there's, you know, audience feedback, whatnot, but it's still, you know, interviews on podcasts have a necessarily like dialogic character. They're in dialogue with someone else. And I just think, especially for maybe I'm not an auditory learner, but I learn so much about myself when I'm in conversation with someone else. And I learn so much about them. But I think I definitely say the most profound things I will ever come up with in interviews. Like I wouldn't, I was just writing you know, to my email list or writing a blog post for my website or even writing a book. Like, I don't know that I come up with those ideas and those thoughts. It's it's the questions and the feedback and the reflections of the other person that takes me to those places. And so I think that's something that I just really love about podcasts. And I think it is just to glow a little bit about your podcast. Like, I think it's the magic of your conversations. You know, you're not simply interviewing, like, here's my list of questions, answer them, boom, boom, boom. You know, you're like, reflecting back and making space for dialogue to really happen. And I just think that is one of the most magical human experiences that we can have. And to like, get to listen to other people have that is also magical. Mm. So that was reflections on some of the first things you said. And now I'm like, okay, then there was a question. (laughs) Yeah, I've forgotten. Well, I, I'll ask it again, but I now I want to reflect on your reflections. But I'll I'll, circle, <laughs> I'll get us. I'll I'll pull the thread back there. But I think what you're saying really really resonates with me. And thank you. That that's so kind. I it's messy and live in some ways. It's a live in mm-hmm. even though it's edited right an interview. Like if I was giving a a lecture, like today you and I decided we're going to mostly talk about podcasting and we've sort of stuck to that. But if, (laughs) if you and I were like, okay, we're giving it, you and I are collaborating. This summer camp asked us to come and speak to young teen girls about podcasting. Mm -hmm. You, Mm -hmm. which dream come true. Maybe who knows, but that (laughs) is feel free. Call us. Um, We would love to (laughs) go together. That'd be great. But you and I would have like come up with a talk and we would have had this rehearsed in some way. I'm sure we would have, uh, hopefully we were smart mm-hmm. in our preparation and allowed for Q and a at the end, but we would have had probably a PowerPoint. Probably we would have prepared mm-hmm. in some way, but I think what is so much more interesting is to do something as a, as a dialogue and to hear Terry Gross speak with Laura Dern about the Laura Dern just came out with this book about, have you heard about this? No, I haven't. It's conversations with her mom. Her mom got diagnosed with some condition where she needed to talk basically. And so Laura Dern recorded all these conversations with her mother. Um, Mm. And she's doing better and it's, it's beautiful. And so I, I heard Terry Gross interview her and there's something about, people not knowing where the conversation is going to go, even if they have the questions prior, which sometimes people do often, they don't the guest, I mean the interviewee, but, but often, even if they do the, the questions will go wherever they go. If, if both people are being present and like you said, some of the most intuitive 
things that you came up with were when you were prompted, were when someone, you know, got you mm-hmm. to that that corner of your your brain. And and I don't know if you know, do you know Isabel Fox and Duke? Mm-mm. She's she's incredible and has been very um helpful to me around body stuff and body image and mm. um eating sort of recovery bit. But anyway, she's done done my show many, many times. And she would always say, she's like, it's a very good medium for me because I don't know what I'm excited about sharing until I come on your show. And I, we just follow your curiosity. Mm-hmm. And and I think I'm prompting people. And it, I that's what my... I'm following my curiosity. And it's also what I do with my journaling work. It's these journaling prompts to get people to these dusty corners. It's It's presence with yourself and deeper connection with yourself or deeper connection with other people. And then the eavesdropping on that, not only does it, to my point about access, right? Like I gain access to Amelia. I'm now sharing my access to this really cool person. Mm -hmm. I have put on a pedestal with my (laughs) other friends. And now I'm Mm -hmm. getting to share that access with Amelia's consent, you know, and that. And and Carrie Lynn touched on that too, of like through her blog for CAP, she's able to connect with so many more people because of her business. And then she's able to share that access with even more people. And it sounded kind of crude at first. And she was like, for access, I'm like, ooh, like to want, that sounds so social climbing and icky. And like, I I don't Mm. like that, but I kind of get it and and agree. And and I I don't know. Has that been your experience the the access piece i think that was my that was my question and and did, did you feel that way yeah. about using it for for networking and and connection social like yeah. socially using it in a way i guess okay i'm interrupting this episode with amelia ruby i told you there were no ads and that's true there aren't but just to reiterate if this is making you <laughs> want to start a podcast or want more information about starting a podcast or to, you know, work with Amelia as an editing client, check out Softer Sound Studio. And if you want to try to do some of that yourself, check out the podcast kit. It'll walk you through all of it. And we are here to speak to you one-on-one if you're more of a one-on-one type. Both of us offer podcast advising sessions. I'm not exactly sure what Amelia calls them, but it's probably something similar in the links in the show notes. I also want to tell you a secret, and that secret is I'm working on a new project. Some of you might have been around for a while. I have these kits. I call them digital zines or self-study workshops for personal growing. I made one about breakups, the soothe kit and the solve kit, because, you know, I had a breakup that, uh, rattled me and I uh, figured out everything I could to feel better and grow and that one exists. And then I made one called the Write Kit, which is about writing for emotional wellness or journaling, which is the concept of my book, also called Let It Out. And that also exists. And I promised that I would be making two more back then, this ongoing project. One of them was meant to be called Pivot about transitions, which I have not started yet, but I also promised another one called Talk. And the Talk Kit, I am happy to report, for those of you who have been around and asked for it, 
it's in process. It is coming and I'm making it and I'm so stoked about it. I'm actually going to Montreal in September doing an apartment swap. I'm calling it jokingly my self-made exile away from my friends and distractions to work on this project that I've already started and I'm really excited about. It's going to cover one of the modules in the podcast kit a little bit in a totally different way, but in the podcast kit, as I mentioned, it goes into everything from conceptualizing a show to getting it to the tech part, right, of getting it onto iTunes and Spotify and how that all works, production, as well as marketing and monetizing, finding people to listen to it and funding the show, which as you're hearing in this episode, that's changing, but I do include everything that I did to get the sponsorships that I've gotten, which have been incredible. And I give you my deck for how I do that. And I also have a module about interviewing. And both the module about interviewing as well as the one about marketing and monetizing, I have made breakout modules so you can buy those a la carte. So if you don't want the whole kit and you just want the marketing and monetizing stuff, you can get that. If you just want my my very specific way of interviewing and everything I've learned about that, that is also available to you to buy a la carte. But back to the talk kit. The talk kit will include everything in the interview portion, but I made that several years ago. So that is just a very, very small part of what the talk kit will be about. The interview portion of the podcast kit is about interviewing, right? It's about having a conversation that others are going to eavesdrop on. That's a very different thing than talking to someone at a party at a date, being charismatic, being charming, how to conduct yourself in a interview setting, a job interview, or a new friend date, networking. There are all these areas of our lives where talking is not only necessary, but baked into the fabric of existing as a human being in the world. And I am by no means even close to an expert at anything in life. And talking is definitely not something that I am, you know, a authority in, in any way. However, I'm learning just like I was learning how to figure out, navigate a breakup. And I'm going to learn and hopefully grow and become better and improve. And I'm going to take notes as I do that, I'm going to talk to some people who will allow me to grow and share what I learned from them, share that access with you. So this will include every communication lesson that I've learned the hard way <laughs> from, you know, matching the energy of who you're speaking to, playing it cool, <laughs> cadence and frequency of talking, texting, letting the cycle of relationships shift, remaining mysterious, but also earnestly sharing, keeping your open sign on, friendliness, and, you know, I'll get into how to read minds, which is, you know, spoiler, you can't. So how to communicate, right? And how to navigate anxiety around tough conversations. 
perception, which is often wrong. I'm not even going to tell you much more because I'm still figuring out. It doesn't exist yet. You can't buy it yet because I'm still making it. However, if this sounds interesting to you at all already, you're the first person, you listening, yeah, you, that I am telling this to all of you at once, but you know. If this sounds like something you might want to do, truly, there's a wait list and you can sign up and find out information about when it is available. And if you have questions for me, things you would like me to cover in the talk kit, send me an email, katie, K-A-T-I-E, at let it out with three T's.com. I want to know what you want to know about talking. If I have some insight around it, I will make sure to include it in the talk kit. And if I don't, I will find the answer. I will interview people until I can figure it out for you and for me. And I will share beyond other people's experience and research. I will also share my own. And I got to be honest with you. Like I said, I'm, I'm definitely not the authority by any means. However, of any skill that I have, it is talking. It's something that does come a bit naturally to me, more so than, say, math. <laughs> my mom has worked in human resources for over 40 years. My dad was a salesperson for his career. My grandfather was a coach and a figurehead in our community who gave a lot of speeches and he was a radio announcer. So I've been around some excellent communicators. I am extroverted and this talk kit will include conversation starters. It will include social practice. It will include, well, I, I'm just going to leave it there because like I said, it is still very much in process, but I am very excited to talk to you more about talking. If that sounds interesting, you know where to find the details on the waitlist for that, which will be in the show notes. And again, this will be directed by you. So let me know what you want to know and I will figure it out for us. <laughs> or at least we'll talk about it all together and you'll feel less alone. Okay, back to my episode with Amelia. Yeah, I mean, I definitely think that through podcasting, I have been able to meet people and have conversations that I never would have otherwise. You know, when I started 50 Feminist States, I interviewed, I think, almost 100 activists and artists all over the US. And I never would have spoken probably to any of those people if I didn't have the show. And many of them may never have done a podcast interview if I hadn't reached out. I, I interviewed a lot of people for whom it was their first interview ever on that podcast. And that was really exciting. And then I think even now with Off the Grid, it's opened up so many conversations for me, you know, getting to talk to Christy, um, getting to talk to people who I you're to you, getting to talk to all these people who I've been consuming things they've made for years. And now I get to have a conversation and really bring all of that. It's been really fun to be like, wow, I really know actually a lot about your work because I've been paying attention for a long time, not imagining that one day I would have this space that you would really want to step into with me. And that's been really just like so 
nurturing and exciting and thrilling. I think to put on my like podcast studio owner strategist hat for a minute, something I do say a lot to clients is that as podcasting has shifted, you know, you started your show in 2013. I launched my first podcast in 2018. But I think podcasting has changed a lot over even the past two or three years. And at this point, I would say that podcasting is really best for nurturing trust and establishing your expertise. I don't... And and what I mean from that is like, podcasting is not necessarily the best or easiest audience growth strategy right now. It's really about nurturing trust with the community you have, and then establishing your expertise and also networking with other people that you want to like build a network with. So to answer your question, like, yes, I've had personal experience like that. And I just see it from my clients all the time that podcasting is a way that they can be in conversation with people they've admired and with people who become like confidants, collaborators, and expanders for their own businesses. And that's really special. Yeah, I think. Absolutely. And, and it's not lost on me how much this medium is, has given me. And I, you know, we mentioned Marley Grace's zine mm-hmm. about social media that has the, the most incredible title and talks about their experience of all the, the good and the bad of, of Instagram giving them their career, beating best friends and making them want to die, you know, all being in one one yeah. place. And I don't yeah. feel the make me want to die. You know, like, I never feel that with podcasting, <laughs> you know, and I have yeah. obviously also connected with people on social media and become friends or collaborators with people in that way. But I I don't know if my most lasting connections have happened that way. I think very, very, I don't, I don't know, honestly, if I have any that I've probably met people that way for sure. But every close person in my life, I've either met in person or through this, truly, like, I don't, I don't know if the lasting ones from that, there's something about this that it's, it's more difficult to hide, I I think. Mm -hmm. And yeah, there, there's, there's, it's less image based. And I'm, I'm just such a, such a fan of, of this medium. Podcasting and social media are both like digital media, but I just think that social media is like all connections are mediated by the platform and the algorithms on the platform and podcasting is mediated by a platform, but that platform functions simply as like a technical tool. So there's just much less. Um, it, it's more like email in that way, right? Like when I go into Apple Podcasts, I see everything I've subscribed to, like I do in my email inbox, as opposed to, you know, social media of any variety where a feed is algorithmically determined. You don't know what you're going to see. Um, and podcasting is like one thing, like you're going there to listen to a podcast as opposed to, you know, you open Instagram and you might be in DMs or stories or feed posts or all the shopping. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that too. Or heaven. Um, Or heaven, depending on who you are. But (laughs) yeah, yeah, I I really think, um, that's a big piece of it. And I hear people complain. They're like, I want a podcast algorithm because I don't know what to listen to. 
But I do think it's one of the reasons it's felt and maintained a sort of like intimacy is that it's not so algorithmically determined um, in the way that even YouTube is. Mm -hmm. And so that's, I'm intrigued to see if that changes. And I do think that people moving their listening to Spotify will shift that, which, you know, that is an algorithmically based platform. But I think that is a big piece of why it's so special or an underlying kind of hidden piece of why it's so special to us and why we really also like people who follow your show are like really on board after like, if they stick around, they really want to hear from you. And I, I really treasure that. When, when people meet me and they've listened to a significant amount of my episodes to your point of the way I do this, it's, it's not a list of, you know, question, answer, question, answer, as I'm doing right now, I I share about myself and about my experience with things and and pull threads. It started out as a way to make people feel comfortable to be able to share more with me. I, I interview a lot of people who have never done a podcast before. And a lot of times I'll edit out what I share, but it it feels important. Sometimes I won't, but it feels important in the conversation that that is what it would be if we were talking on the phone right now or in person having tea. And there's something about this that is so different from if you and I were at lunch or on a walk or out in public together, or even if you were over at my house in private together, because there are so many more distractions. Like if we were out to lunch, we would stop and run into someone we know and we'd talk to people around us and we'd comment on all these sorts of things. And neither of us have done that the entire time we're together. And granted, we're, we're on the computer, but even if we were in person, unless we were doing this with microphones between us, there's this kind of magic thing that happens, which is that we're both so present doing one thing which really only happens if we're, you know, on a drive together or I, I can't think of another spot for that. So, yeah, that that's really interesting. And, and that's so interesting, your perspective about the future. And I've, I have a couple questions from from others about that, the asking from a friend portion. But mm-hmm. before I ask about the future of podcasting, you mentioned the last two years you saw a lot change. What did you, can you go into that a little bit? Yeah, gladly. So something I've noticed working with clients, um, and I imagine you might relate to this experience. I've had quite a few clients who started their shows in like 2013, 2014, 2015, really early adopters of podcasting. And because they were early adopters and they had their amazing people with great voices and wonderful content, or they were having amazing conversations. I shouldn't say wonderful content. (laughs) I know sometimes content can diminish what we think of something, but like they were great people having great conversations, started podcasting pretty early. Their shows grew really organically, you know, to like thousands of downloads an episode without them having to do a lot of work on audience growth. And I think that is because they were making great podcasts, but also because there weren't a lot of podcasts out there. And so people, you know, were really attached to the ones that they found and loved. And I've noticed in the past, like since, 
well, I'll just pause there and say, that's one thing I noticed, like all that organic growth happened. Something that really shifted for the podcast industry, you know, during the pandemic, I think podcasting became much more popular. And then we saw Spotify specifically invest a lot of money in podcasting by purchasing networks, purchasing networks like Gimlet, purchasing tools like Megaphone, um, purchasing Spotify exclusive shows like Emma Chamberlain's show, Anything Goes, I think is what it's called, or like, you know, bringing, doing giant deals with podcasters like Joe Rogan. Um, and this influx of money into podcasting made it a more like prestige medium in some ways. Now we're seeing that maybe that was a failed experiment and Spotify is divesting from a lot of what they're or divesting from what they have put the money they have put in. And so I think with all of that, we just saw this like boom in podcasting. And now there are millions of shows in a way where there just didn't used to be. And so I'm seeing something I'm seeing is those shows that I would think of as kind of legacy shows that grew an audience really organically. They still have that audience, but they're not growing the way they once did. Um, everyone who listens to podcasts is listening to more and more podcasts. And it's, we're, in the space now where I think as podcasters, we're kind of fighting for attention because attention is so limited in this like era we live in of like endless content, you know, and I'm not just, you know, trying to make, get people's attention to listen to my podcast, but they're, you know, those listeners are like, Oh my going to listen to this podcast. Or am I going to read this Substack? stack? Am I going to watch this show? Um, as a, as a Gemini moon, I recently said to my spouse, I was like, my dream day would be a day where I can watch a show, listen to a podcast and read a newsletter at the same time. <laughs> That's like all I want is to like port it all into my body simultaneously. Um, horrifying to so many people <laughs> I know, but it is like would be my dream come true. Um, but I, so I, I don't like to frame it in that like competitive way, but I just think there is a truth of like a 10, how much time we have as humans is limited how much amazing creative work is out there is expanding and people are having to make choices in a way that before I feel like somebody who might've had like two stellar podcasts they listen to all the time is now like subscribed to 20 stellar podcasts they're having to choose from because they don't have like 20 hours a week to listen to podcasts. And I'm just seeing that with my clients. And that's kind of why I say that um, podcasts are not necessarily a great audience growth tool anymore. People who launch, like generally when you launch a show, you're going to bring an audience you already have to that show. And then you will slowly over time, get new listeners and new people will find your show. But really, I think podcasts work so well for building trust with your community and for networking with other people you want to be in conversation with. And that has worked really well for me. Like, I mean, similar to what you've shared, I've just met so many great people and made business connections and personal friends through podcasting and having people on my podcast. Um, but yeah, I think the shift is that it's like that attention piece that's shifting. And then we can map that onto the just like ways that the money invested in the industry. Cause I guess to close that loop, like because Spotify and other networks are spending so much money on shows, they, want slash need those shows to be making more money, which is also why we're hearing like more ads than ever in podcasts. And that has created this, you know, whole industry of podcast ad agencies. And that has really kind of squeezed out the 
old, more like more legacy indie podcast model of people who were making a living off of independently, like connecting with sponsors and getting them to pay for their show. And so unfortunately, like the value of a podcast listener to a potential sponsor has just gone down a lot. Um, so the being boss podcast just did a really interesting episode on this and why they're ending the show. And they talked about how like the show has more listeners than ever, but they haven't been able to raise their ad rates in years because people just don't want to pay them. Like the value of a listener has gone down, I think largely because of how many more shows there are and how people are like, you know, now it's just like kind of a joke, like how many ads will be in the middle of your favorite podcast and how you're going to skip them all. Right. So in a way that five years ago, you just listened to them because it's kind of novel <laughs> to hear that like this host you liked endorse something. Um, yeah. So all of that is really shifting and really changing. I think uh, mm, the impact podcasting can and does have for creators and business owners. Oh man, I, I had to mute myself because I that I'm I got emotion. I'm literally tearing up. Mm. <laughs> I feel um exposed. <laughs> but Aww. I mean I'm in the exact same same boat as um and I I I love being boss listen to it when it the I remember yeah. the first episode and me too. I, I hosted the co-hosted this podcast called With Purpose for um, a while. I don't even think it's still up anymore, but um a friend of, of Kathleen's and and Kathleen and mm. um and Emily both have done let it out and and they were so kind to me i i as as you know we spoke about it a little bit i have this course that helps other people start podcasts called the podcast kit and i interviewed all these other podcasters at the time when i made it to to talk about their perspective and how they do it and everyone's system and um based on what the topic is you know everyone from someone who hosted a Grey's Anatomy rewatch podcast to Emily and Kathleen mm-hmm. to many many others and and they were so kind to 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 be included in that and it i'm in the exact same same boat with that and um you know i've i've brought the show down to every other week and i i don't know i don't know what's what's next to be able to keep doing it at the level that i was because mm-hmm. it does feel like it changed rather quickly and I'd love if you could speak a little bit more on the the future of podcasting, if there's anything else you want to add to that, because I'm going to just read you both Michelle and Wallace's question, because I think you covered a lot of this, but Michelle said, what's her prediction on the future of podcasting and audio media? And then funnily enough, Wallace said something similar. What is a white space or area of opportunity for podcasters? And where do you where does she think the future of the medium is headed? So there's there's kind of a Venn diagram in, in both <laughs> yeah. of those questions, which is is so them, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, of course. Yeah. So what's the the future of podcasting? Well, really what I'm doing at Softer Sounds is trying to help creatives and small business owners more clearly connect their podcasts to their offerings or to their revenue channels in, I would say, more business-oriented ways, less sponsorship content marketing ways. Because I do see that, you know, that squeeze that you're feeling and that um Kathleen and Emily are feeling of like, 
the indie podcaster who's like able to make a living selling ads on their own is just kind of really being pushed out of this space by the giant Spotify deals and ad agencies. And so I think that I'm really trying to help podcasters become business owners um, and really think about like, what are you offering to your listeners and how can we clearly sell something um, in a way that feels aligned with you and your audience, um, but also make sure that the podcast has a sort of reciprocal and supportive quality for you. And that looks different for everyone, right? Like some people want or need their podcast to make a full income. Some people just need it to pay for itself. Some people are really happy to pay for it and actually just want to develop ways for their listeners to be more engaged with them. So they get that like social feedback and that's what they need. Um, But I think that's like the next step. And that's also what I've really tried to model with off the grid is a way of having a podcast that has like a really, some really clear offerings connected to it. And a really clear way of like bringing people into a business and into a business ecosystem. And it's been really fun to work with other clients on that and to support them in that and to help us all see that like a podcast can be a marketing tool and make money without having to just be like content and monetized content the way that, um, you know, sponsors or like even a listener supported show might be. So that's like my little piece of like the next step that I'm taking in terms of what I see for the future of podcasts. I think that people, listeners are still really hungry for these like small, smart, fun shows. Like it's still there. I don't think the future of podcasts is exclusively like big network, big budget shows. I think that the like shinier and more produced things get that actually makes this like fun inverse space for like grittier, less polished, more off the cuff shows to also really succeed. And I'm excited to see that. Um, I think that I do think podcast listeners want more social tools and more ways to feel like community. And I think that apps are going to emerge that provide that. I think Good Pods is trying to do that. Um, you know, with mixed success, I would say, I think Spotify's like question functionality is really trying to do that. Um, they've like turned on questions. So most podcasters don't know this, but if you've submitted your podcast to Spotify for podcasters yourself, um, Spotify is likely asking your listeners, what did you think of this episode when they get toward the end of it? Mm -hmm. And I just went and looked actually at mine for the first time, like two months ago. And I had all these responses from people about things they liked about episodes of off the grid. And I was like, Oh, I should be more intentional about this. Um, yeah. So that might already be there waiting for you. You can also change the question and ask specific questions, but Spotify has just kind of created this, like, what did you think of this episode question? Um, so I think that we're going to see a lot more like social mechanisms around podcasting, whether it's like comments on an episode or um, like from a listening platform or it's listening platforms like good pods that are really like making space for listeners to connect with each other. Um, I think with Spotify, it's listeners connecting with the podcaster themselves. And then I think on good pods, it's listeners connecting with each other about things they're listening to. Um, I think there's a lot of space for a site like, you know, like the letterboxed of podcasting. Um, I, you know, I'm an avid film and TV watcher. And so I'm on (laughs) websites where I track everything I watch. And I 
like leave reviews and I comment on other people's reviews and like kind of connect with other movie lovers. And I think there's space for that in podcasting. And if someone could make something really fun and smart and get, you know, enough of an audience for it, there's like, I think that could be in the future. I think there was a moment where we really saw the rise of like live social audio apps like Clubhouse, right? During the pandemic, especially. And then those have kind of really, um, you know, just participation and engagement has diminished so much. So I don't think that's the future of podcasting or of social audio, but I do think people want more social engagement and relationships around the podcast they listen to and love. Um, for instance, I just finished the um, Scamanda podcast by Lionsgate. And I would have loved to like, I mean, I texted all my friends who listened to it and we had like a group thing going on about it. And I would have loved if there was just an app where I could like plug into people that I could just talk to about it because I had such a good time listening. Yeah. Should um, we make that app? Should we? Should I know. We, <laughs> <laughs> we probably should. <laughs> um, uh, yeah. App no developers out there. Hit yeah. us up and we'll, we'll make it happen. Um, Cause I do think there is, yeah, definitely just a real desire for it. Um. Yeah, yeah, we should do it. Let let <laughs> let it out. Let podcasts out. We'll work someone. <laughs> yeah, and someone's someone. Um, let let it off the grid. <laughs> Done. Well, that's the title of this episode. I can tell you that much. Um, the people, someone listening, will probably like go do this before we're even before I can even tie my shoe. <laughs> <laughs> probably. Wow, th- this is incredible. I mean. Yeah, I mean, I think to to me, there's so much around. I like the. It felt like I ha- found the secret hack when I first found podcasts in 2012, and I discovered NPR. And you know, when I was quite old to discover public radio, you know, but it felt like. I was in on a secret, even though I was not. But sometimes the podcast would be small enough that it it felt like, wow, I found something that helps me learn, that helps me take in information in a way I never could in school. I really struggled. I I think we're it sounds like we're quite different in that way as well, of like mm-hmm. with reading and, and visual information. And this medium as a consumer exclusively has given me so, so much in that way. And I'm sad that some of my shows that are small, there'll always be new small shows, but have either gotten bigger and changed or, I mean, that's like, you know, they say that about bands or about, you know, anything and that's, I'm I'm happy for their success, but it is, it is interesting. Editing is something that obviously you, you do for other people. And I have worked with editors on this show and work with an incredible one right now. Hi, Bree, who's who's my very close friend. Something that Bree and I talk about all the time, and Bree's been on the podcast and we had a really honest conversation about this is since her and I are close friends and it, there's always complexities that come from from working with a friend, of course, but the, I've actually worked, we met in a work context. She worked with me at my my old job. I hired her at, at a job I had years ago when she was a student at NYU. And this context feels very, very different. And I realized that it's incredibly intimate to have in, in a text editor, I think as well, if you're writing, but there's something different about writing where it's when you submit it to your editor, 
it's not perfect, obviously, but you have very thoughtfully crafted what you're sending. And that might be very rough, messy draft, but you've, there's something different from just speaking words to typing them out. Whereas sending a, a raw file, I'm asking her to take out the things that I cringe about or the thing I accidentally said, or if I said something and I'm like, oh, is that not okay to say? Or I accidentally said someone's name wrong, or there's there's a plethora of things that that are embarrassing that and Brie hears all of them, you know? And it's yeah. a very intimate relationship. So I would just and so much trust there. So I would just love to hear your thoughts on on editing and and being on both ends of that. Yeah, it is very intimate. And I would say it's like always evolving too. I think when I started the studio two years ago, I really felt like our role, I, mean, I still feel this way, like our role is to respect the conversation that was had or respect what was said and just try to bring out the best in that. Um, I am not trying to be like, you know, the news reporter who's going to get like that one scandalous clip of something, you know what I mean? And pull that out or um, I'm never making somebody say something they didn't say. And I think that is like a real fear that people have, you know, your voice, I said this earlier, it's like, I feel laid bare. It's very vulnerable. And a malicious editor can certainly make you say things that you didn't say and never meant. And I think that people underestimate the vulnerability of all of this when they think about hiring a podcast editor. And at Softer Sounds, we're really trying to provide like a softer service where there is both just like a clear values alignment with our clients and space to be unsure about your voice or unsure about something you said or ask for support sharing something that you might not have shared before. Because I think historically editing has been treated as an incredibly technical skill and the industry is still, you know, predominantly white men um, editing shows and being audio engineers and sound engineers overall. And so, you know, that's part of why I started this business is I really saw, um, you know, I had this skill of editing and I heard all my favorite podcasters regularly be like, we're looking for an editor. <laughs> we're looking for an editor. Um, or I'd hear some show that I really loved and felt like it was so like femme centric was, you know, edited by some guy that I looked up and was like, wait, this doesn't feel like the vibe of what I'm listening to. Um, and so I wanted to make a studio that really served these shows that I I loved and what they were about and where people could trust us with their voice. And I think that what I'm starting to see now, and I've really been, you know, as a business owner, trying to figure out how to adjust just our packages and our offerings to be even more supportive in the sorts of like content cleanup you're talking about. So like, how can I get to know my clients even better so I can anticipate what's going to make them cringe? So I can mm. cut out that story that kind of falls flat. So I can really be doing more of that type of adjustment rather than simply, you know, clipping ums and, you know, taking out a mouth click somewhere. Uh, and that's been really fun. And I can definitely shout out Michelle and Wallace, you know, editing good for you for a year gave me so much practice <laughs> because we really would tighten those recordings and and mix them in really fun ways. And it made me a better editor. And it's just given me a lot more confidence that I bring to all the shows we work on to have the listener experience in the forefront of my mind 
and really gently and carefully hold my client's voice in my hands as I edit. And it just feels like a real honor and a privilege to be asked to do that. Mm. Yeah, it it is very intimate. And this, this, I'd, I'd be curious your, you know, if you listen to it, I bet you'd find that, that part of Brie and I's conversation interesting because I don't remember it exactly. It was, um, at the very end of last year that, that, that episode was recorded, but I had an editor who happened to be, it, it's actually Christy Harrison's podcast editor. And he is someone I, I hadn't met before, but an, an older, older gentleman and, uh, not, 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 I don't know his age, but he's not certainly not my peer and not yeah. a female identifying person and, and an incredible audio engineer. Mike is definitely not listening to this, but he's lovely. And, um, <laughs> I, and you know, I, I can't even, I get emotional thinking how much he impacted the show and, but, but him leaving for a full-time job, I didn't think I was going to be able to keep doing this. And then I was crying in the, in the shop that, that, um, <laughs> and I both both work in because that's the thing you know to your earlier point about like how to do this when the the little guys podcasting wise are getting pushed out and just the industry's changed that is what it is um needing to to fund the work in a different way just like actors do indie movies and they also do a big mm-hmm. blockbuster to fund the their time doing the indie movie and mm-hmm. and working their craft and um I want to keep doing this because of access because I want to develop my skill of holding space in a conversation and I have so much more to learn mm-hmm. and I want to get my 10,000 hours and I I really the editing piece for me, having a partner in that is important. And I know, you know, we both help other people start podcasts and and we both, I think, advise that you don't necessarily need that. In the case of where mm-hmm. I am with doing this, I do because I can't do all of that at my best ability. I need yeah. just like a writer needs an editor. I I know myself and I know I need an editor. And mm-hmm. what was interesting about the transition from working with Mike to working with Bree is that what I noticed was with Mike, since I, I'd never met Mike in person, unfortunately, I hope I get to someday, but I was very stoic about, okay, this out, this out, and very, very, very specific timestamps, very specific um, words. Yeah. And with Brie, I am as well. But then I do this, you know, very, very feminine. Okay, I know that, the, please don't think I'm I'm bad for saying that. And I, this is why I don't want that in there, you know? Mm-hmm. And I, you know, I think that maybe needs to be a conversation that that her and I have privately of like, she's probably like, I don't care. I'll just, I just want to do what I need to do and get done. And like, you don't need to do, you know, that's my <laughs> stuff. But it is interesting that I I felt that way of like, yeah, it's the exposedness that I felt with a with someone I I know well in that way. It's it's very interesting. Yeah. No, I mean, it definitely is vulnerable, and it does feel exposed to be like, oh, I said this, but. I mean, often what's at the root of it, I'm not, not speaking for you, but I can speak for myself and my clients is like, I'm worried people will take this the wrong way, or this doesn't actually represent how I feel about this when I reflect on it or in a broader context, or, you know, they're just, you know, or just like, I don't want to be out there publicly saying this, even if it's something I would say privately to a friend. And I think that is the role of editing. And, you know, I think... I really see a range with my clients. Like we definitely have clients where we will get those like 
timestamp by timestamp, timestamp, you need to take out these two words sort of notes. I'm just always trying to work to a place where clients feel comfortable uploading their audio and letting us take it from there. And I think that that has been really liberating for a lot of our clients and trusting that we get them. And I think that's just been this really big gap. And that's why Softer Sounds has been successful is like, there just hasn't been a studio that gets it, right? Like a lot of the shows I work on, whether it's 12th House with Holisticism or Common Shapes with Mar, like I, you know, I own that zine, Mar zine that we're talking about. I have a zine version of how to not always be working. Like I've been consuming their work and enjoying and digesting their work for years. And so of course I can listen to their podcast and understand like, oh, well, this kind of contradicts what they normally say. So I'm going to cut that out. But it just comes from that like deeper values alignment and also just like kind of being in community with people over the long term. And, you know, this is a not exactly on topic, but that's something I, I get a lot with like people who come to me and want to know how I started this business or how my podcast has been successful. And I'm like, well, I can tell you the step, like the strategy I use here, but like underneath that is a decade worth of community building. And like, I can't, you can apply my strategy, but I can't just give you, you know, those 10 years of how much I've been paying attention and intentionally being in community with people. Like that's, you really have to build over time. And I do think podcasts are a great way to do that. Um, And just such a great medium. Yeah, yeah. I mean, well, well. Firstly, what what you said about trusting the editor and trusting that process. You know, I think that's something that because I've been doing this on my own for so long, it's it's a control thing. It's a mm-hmm. self mythologizing thing. It's a it's a very intuitive thing. Sometimes I I, I do really think I. I know this, I can kind of hear it in my head. Like I'm sure you can. Mm-hmm. And yeah. and when you are doing it yourself, you have that autonomy. And I think there it, there's a nuance here. Like I think part of it is is control and letting go. But then, and I definitely have a lot to work on in, in that area in all parts of my life. But but some of it is a is a knowing what works and and having, you know, a decade. Of, yes. of doing this and and they're in wrestling with those two things at the same time are is 100%. very interesting. Yeah, I mean normally often for off the grid I will have an one of my editors edit and then I will go back through for like a, a full content scrub. I mean I I think yes, I agree with you completely. There is that piece that's like maybe I can loosen control a little bit, but there's also the piece of like I know exactly who the listener is and I can make this better. And I think it's okay. Like we should be proud of that, right? We've worked really hard <laughs> to cultivate that skill and it's okay to own it. It's it's that stepping into the power piece of like, yes, I love my editors and the people who do the first cuts and off the grid are all great and super smart and wonderful. And I still have things I can change and make even better in another round. And that's great. Like we can have both. Absolutely. And I and I want to talk about what makes a good conversation and related to that when I am having a conversation, I like right now, I am free, right? Like I mm-hmm. know that no one else is listening right now other mm-hmm. than you and me. So mm-hmm. I can say whatever I want as long as I feel like you're going to 
be okay and safe mm-hmm. and that's fine. I don't ha- I don't actually think about the listener. This is something I I mm-hmm. teach in the mm-hmm. in the course. I don't think about the listener when I'm mm-hmm. recording. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I can be genuine and have a conversation. Yeah. yeah. And when I listen back to the show, I always listen while walking and I do that because I want to consume it while as it, other people will, which is not completely, you know, eyes closed listening. That's that's also why I think editing not on a computer is really helpful for me to be mm-hmm. moving and knowing I've learned a lot more about my brain in the last few years that is a whole nother conversation, but yeah. that that devil movement works for my neurodivergence and and mm-hmm. that has shown me that's the time to think about the listener and that's the time Mm -hmm. where i get in their head and i'm like this doesn't need to be there this does this does this doesn't i need to move this here i need to do surgery and completely change the order of that (laughs) and that's the part that i i have a question for you around is like when do you think about the listener do you Mm -hmm. think about them Mm -hmm. during because you do a lot of solo episodes too so i think if i did that i I, that would be very different but Mm -hmm. in terms of I I want to frame this question in the way of I used to teach yoga, right? Mm-hmm. Quite often. And sometimes someone would come to my class who I had a crush on or a, just a friend of mine, or mm-hmm. I would see someone in that class that I really wanted to impress for some reason. And <laughs> I would teach the class and I would, you know, be moving around the the playlist in a way that I was always kind of looking over at them like, what do I think of that move? Like, yeah. what do I think of that funny yeah. line I said? And I'm now catering to one person where I really need to be thinking mm-hmm. about the collective. And yeah. I'm curious like how, cause I've done that in this context and that has not been good. So it's wrestling, like thinking of having one person in mind, which I don't know if there's, there's, I'm sure truth to that in some way, but I feel like I know let it out as an organism in a way that mm-hmm. um, no one else can you know so so yeah. how much do you consider the audience and when do you consider the audience yeah this is a really great question i mean i love your distinction between like when when you're having the conversation you are just like present with yourself and the person you're having it with and then the listener comes in when when the editing is happening i think that makes a lot of sense i think for me this all kind of lives at the crux of like business and art and content and something I've been trying really thinking about a lot this spring of, um, you know, for me, when I'm making art, it does really come from this like self-directed or like self and spirit directed place. And I'm not thinking about the person who's going to look at it or hear it or consume it in any way. Like I'm making, I am bringing into the world what needs to be brought into the world. But that's my my art self. Like when I'm my business self, I'm very focused on what my potential client or ideal client needs and how I can best serve them. And I'm always trying to balance both inside of my business and my podcasting and the things that I create, right? So where am I really letting myself tap into that like self-directed spirit guided, I am making this and I know what it is and I don't need to worry about what other people think it might be. And then when am I really focused on what what that external person needs or desires and what I can make for them? And podcasting is kind of a 
fun in between for me. Like sometimes I podcast like it's art and sometimes I podcast like it's business or like it's um, content, which to me, like with art, I'm like making the thing for the thing itself. And then whatever impact or reception it has in the world, like is not my business with content. Like I'm making something to get a specific impact or reception Um, often like so people will buy something for me. And so I think with off the grid, like I really do think of the listener a lot. I'm really trying to, I think of it a lot when I'm content planning, like what are people really want to know about? What are the questions they're really asking and how can I create something for that? When I do interviews for off the grid, they are really prepared and they're very like, I want to talk about this subject with you. I rarely start with a sort of like, how did you get to this place question. It's really like, we're going to talk about something super specific. Um, And that's because I think of it as really like a content business podcast. That's very different, for instance, than my tarot podcast, (laughs) which is called My Tiny Tarot Practice. And that is purely like personal and art. And I started that podcast because I wanted to study the minor arcana and I wanted to go card by card. And I was like, I learn really well when I teach. And so I was like, okay, great. I will just like take notes, figure out what I think of each card and make a little mini podcast episode. And that, um, that podcast is just art, but it's also done really well. It's kind of funny. I was thinking of it with Wallace's white space question. Like another reason I started that podcast is because I was searching podcast apps for like three of wands or like five of swords. And I didn't find much. And I was like, oh, somebody need other people are definitely searching for podcasts about specific cards and somebody should make this. So, I mean, I think my tiny tarot practice is like well over 5,000 downloads now. And I have promoted it, not a single moment of my life. (laughs) But it's because there's that space there of like, no one was doing this. And so now it exists and people are interested in it. But Mm. yeah, that was kind of a swirl. But I hope that that makes sense of, it depends on what I'm making, how much I'm thinking about the listener and when. Yeah, that's, that's incredible. And a distinction I think I need to hear because I'm wrestling with a lot of this and Another thing I want to talk to you about before we wrap up is how you help others start podcasts. And I know you have episodes and a course coming on this and mm-hmm. offer one-on-one support as as do I. And and I want to know what you would say to someone starting a, a podcast now, but just quickly related to, to what you were just saying, when you went through the future of of podcasting. And we kind of spoke about that more broadly, but I think in terms of content, you know, when I started this, I did it in a more, let me find out where this person started and what were you like when you grew up? And okay, now we're at middle school and it's been an hour, you know, Mm -hmm, and now it's by the time we get, you know, depending on, and people do not have an appetite for that anymore. And so I think it's very mm-hmm. wise that you interview the way that you do. I think I need to hone it in. I need to keep mm-hmm. it tight. I need to have, I need to take some, I need to get with the program of like, this is mm-hmm. it's a different thing. And I think I'm using it more as a personal art practice and mm-hmm. to make it sustainable, there needs to be some sort of 
specificity and clarity because people mm. consume podcasts, including myself. <laughs> when mm. I'm listening back to it, I'm like, okay, I can Wikipedia out where they grew up or I can <laughs> DM them. Like, and also I don't know if I really care, you know? And yeah, I love to interview people when I meet them in person too. So I think I just did, you know, circle back to the question I asked you. I think I would advise people, you know, do as I say, don't as don't do as I do, sort of a little bit of like, I yeah. don't, I don't think it's the best system. I think that specificity is, is really good. Or come in with four or five questions and see where mm-hmm. it goes outside of that and be really present. But that's mm-hmm. it, you know, and yeah. and hone it in. I think there's a real hunger for that, and and maybe there's not a hunger for that, but there's a. Uh, what's when you're distaste allergic reaction to the mm. opposite, you know? And yeah. And, yeah. So, so what would you say to someone starting a, a podcast mm-hmm. now? Yeah, I definitely think part of what's coming up and what you're saying is like, now we kind of have to convince people like why they should listen. Or like we have to present a value proposition for listening in a way that like you just did it five years ago. Um, five years ago, it was enough to be like, oh, this looks vaguely interesting. I'll listen to this whole, like, you know, 75 minutes of whatever they have to say. And now I feel like that's not necessarily the case. Something I have noticed, which I think is in your favor, is I, I've just noticed that podcasts are getting either much shorter or much longer. I think the era of the 60 minute interview episode is over. I feel like that was the standard for years and years. And I'm just not seeing those types of episodes succeed the way that they used to. And I think that's why I've really tried to cut my interview episodes down to in more like 45 minutes. But I also really do see people succeeding. And this is not so much my clients, but I just, when I look at the charts and like who's doing well, a lot of them are the like 90 minute episodes. Like it's people who I think the the two ways to go are either like you're really tight and on it and it comes across quickly or you go really deep and you let it linger and you really make people want to spend that longer time with you. And so maybe this is just my reflections on let it out and Katie Delbout's future podcast plans. But <laughs> I think also for people listening, what's helpful is like, if you want to start a podcast, I think that you should think, I think you should decide like, what's your, why do you want to start this podcast? And what do you hope to get from it? Because I see a lot of people come to me with sort of vague ideas of like, I want to make more money and I want to start a podcast. And it's actually like those two are not immediately connected. We have to be super intentional if we want to connect those two things. Um, And maybe it's not, that's not what you want. Like, I think I want to grow my network and I want to start a podcast, go together really well. So I really ask people like, what's the why here? Like, let's dig into why you're starting the podcast. And for some people, it's just they want to have a podcast and that's enough to make it sustainable for a while. But eventually, everyone always wants something more than simply having the podcast. And so I really try to get us to that thing and then let that thing guide our strategy for what you're doing and how often do you release episodes and how do they get made. The other thing I would advise if you're just, if you're starting a podcast is it's kind of if you're starting, if you're making any content, is just, recognizing the landscape that you're entering and adjusting your expectations appropriately for like 
the context of like, I, I definitely see people, you know, who don't have any audience come to me and want to launch a show and expect it to have thousands of downloads per episode in the first season. And I'm like, you're only going to have that if you already have an audience of tens of thousands of people. Like, I think sometimes the, again, it's like, know your why and understand like what you can expect yeah. and what you want from your show. I just think those things are really important at this stage in podcasting. And then also, I think if you want a really successful podcast now, you need to have a hook of some sort. This gets back to your feeling around like clarity. Mm -hmm. It's like that sort of show where somebody just like talks about things that are interesting to them or like kind of has conversations about whatever people want to talk about. You can make a show like that, but the, it's just going to be a small subset of your current audience that listens to it. If you want to make a show that's going to bring a lot of new people your way, it needs to have a really clear, like, this is what we're doing here. So for off the grid, it's like leaving social media and marketing your business differently. I think of a show like Normal Gossip, which has gotten really popular in the last few years, like, you know, theirs isn't like an impact hook. It's just delightful to listen to. And it has this like novel concept of we all have gossip about random stuff in our life that no one cares about, but it's extraordinarily fascinating to listen to. <laughs> so they kind of tapped into like that love of gossip and have made like a really successful show out of it or a show like you're wrong about where you get to like learn really fascinating things um, explained by two really smart people or similarly maintenance phase or something like that. Like when I think about independent podcasts that have really succeeded in the past few years, they have had a really clear, like, this is what's exciting about this, or this is what you're going to get out of listening to this. And I think a lot of new shows I see launch, and I would say this about Substacks as well. They're just kind of coming from this person being like, well, I have something to say, and I'm just going to say whatever I have to say whenever I have to say it. And that's great. And I support you in doing that, but it just isn't going to like capture and captivate an audience in the same way. Right. And at least there's a couple outliers and anomalies. Like I'm thinking of how long gone, which is mm -hmm. two people who talk to each other and an audience of like, I have no idea what they're going to talk about, but I like them. And I'll probably laugh at some point. Some episodes are better than others, but by doing yeah. it three times a week yeah. and by talking to people like, you know, Phoebe Bridgers, not about their music or Mike Mills, not about his movie, but about what's going in that smoothie and, and how long are those walks and what kind of shoes are you wearing? Like, that's interesting. And that's mm -hmm. not for everybody. And they have a very specific personality that's that's real. And I think the friendship, but it's not for everybody, you know, and you kind of have to get into the world. And another thing they do is like, they'll talk about people and their world and what they did in a way where as a outsider, someone who doesn't live in a city, you'd be like, wait, what? Who is that person? I hate these guys, you know? <laughs> but if you kind of know them or you're kind of like, oh, wait, all right. I, 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 who is that? You Google it, you figure it out and you're in the mm -hmm. world and it feels like you're part of something. And so there's just, there's so many ways to, to do this and there are trends and there are things to follow. And, and, and just, just briefly about podcast marketing, you have incredible offering about marketing outside of social media, which everyone, if they're not, I'm, oh, I hope everyone here already ha has downloaded and <laughs> part of your world and, and mm -hmm. please stop and do that immediately. But I saw billboard 
ad for a podcast the other day mm-hmm. and a friend of mine makes posters and he he's like been worried about me lately and and he came into the shop and I'm you know I'm bagging groceries I'm like and he, and I'm just having a day and my something had happened in my car and he was like mm. how can I help you want me to make posters you know and I kind of like <laughs> laughed and then now I'm like wait maybe like yeah you know? yeah so, so have have you seen a billboard really and any you know just anything you can offer on marketing obviously outside of social media but yeah. any trends you're seeing in that that are could be useful yeah oh i think that's really delightful i don't know if i've seen a podcast billboard but it i've probably seen photos of them online cuz it feels really familiar I mean, I honestly think of like when I was in Joshua Tree a few years ago, I saw this like piece of fabric that people had uh, tied to a chain link fence and then spray painted, listen to, I don't remember the name of the band, but like listen to the somethings on Spotify. And I was so impressed. Like, and I did. I was like, I'm going to look them up because it's just this sort of like joy of discovering something like that in such an unexpected way. And for me, such a like DIY way, I would be thrilled to see a poster for a podcast. And I think something that's different now, like we've kind of, I know I've been a little bit of a downer on the industry, but like something that's delightful now about podcasting that wasn't five years ago is you don't have to tell anybody what a podcast is. So you can just have a poster that's like, let it out podcast. And you can even put a QR code on it. And like Mm -hmm. people... They people already know that they can just go to Apple Podcasts or Spotify or Overcast and find you. Whereas, you know, five years ago, you had to tell people, they're like, oh, you have a podcast. Like, how do I listen? Where do I get that? Will you send me an email? <laughs> right. <laughs> so I think that that is like a, a real delight. And so I love, I think you should have posters. You should have a street team for your podcast, <laughs> you and listeners. Um, And I think that the more your podcast can feel just like community engaging and engaged um, and really like the more creative ways you can get people to share the show. Like I'm always telling my podcasters, like ask people to text it to a friend, like they're on their phone anyway, like get it because word of mouth is still the best way for shows to grow. And I think that the more like creative and engaged we are as podcasters, the more creative and engaged our listeners are and our community is. And so then the more successful our podcast will be. And I think the sort of like, I publish my audio and then just kind of imagine it will magically go viral. Like that doesn't happen. We, we need to have fun and enjoy it and tell people about it. And I can't wait to see posters for podcasts all over the USA and internationally. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, okay. I'll, I'll be a a case study for this. I'm kind of, so I'm such an in-person person here, you know, like Mm -hmm. Christy, our, our mutual friend was just in town and she was like, Oh my God, you are the mayor. Like we, it, I, I, I work at a shop. I get coffee at the same place. I'm just, I've, I'm really in this neighborhood and it's, it's very small, but I, I, I need that, right? I live alone. I work alone. So in-person connections are so valuable to me. And this is so different from that because the podcast uh, podcasts are obviously not digital or they are not in, in person, you know, at least how people consume them. So, and alone, you know, people don't often listen together to podcasts, although I'm sure on road trips it happens and, you know, in mm-hmm. homes where there's multiple people, but, but primarily. And I think this could be a really fun 
experiment that I would love to to try and talk to you about how this goes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, I love it. Maybe I'll do it for off the grid too. We can yeah. compare notes. And we can I'm gonna send me the off the grid poster and I'll put them all over this neighborhood. Oh yeah. Okay. Well just, we just started our street team right here. We'll just trade. <laughs> yeah. Well musicians do it all the time. Like there are so many billboards here in Highland Park that are bands. And then Mm -hmm. in New York, there were the, um, the posters. I I don't know what you call that on the subway. Like I found out so Mm -hmm. many shows or we got to, let's let's noodle on this off my grid. I, yes, I think so. We can, we can DIY this. We don't need like, and I love this. We're being inspired by musicians, right? Like the, I think some of the best marketing happens when you just take inspiration from other industries or other types of artists, and then you use it in your own way. And it doesn't have to have a big budget behind it. So here we go. Off the grid. Let it out. Posters yeah. coming to you nationwide very soon. Let, let it off the <laughs> grid. <laughs> um, <laughs> off the grid. I don't know. I, I don't know. We'll, we'll workshop that. Needs, needs work. Okay. The main thing I truly want, I should have started with this and I didn't, but I'm going to still ask you, but I'm hoping you're going to say yes to my question. I'm going to ask you right now is that someday will you come back again and let's deep dive even further on conversation but yes. just to to leave us i'm i'm curious you kind of i was going to ask you how much you prep for interviews but you kind mm-hmm. of alluded to your your style of to, to keep something tight at 45 minutes requires a lot of prep just to do mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. and the specificity so i'm assuming you 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 prep quite a lot i do as well but it's probably in a in a different way so mm-hmm. i'd love to hear about that and then also you know once you're in the conversation what to you makes a good conversation whether recorded or not mm-hmm. and what are those differences yeah um you know i do prep i don't think i prep as much as you do just as a my experience of being interviewed by you and i love how you like have really listened to a lot of things that i've put out and read and will quote things back um, mostly I prep by, I write kind of like a bio and an intro for each guest. And that's a big part of my prep. And then I do like before the interview, I send the guest, like, here's our specific topic. And it's not just like social media. It's like, I want to talk about pivoting your business after growing a really successful community and then deciding to not do that anymore without social media or something. Like it's much of a specific topic. And then I do send like generally about four questions that will kind of shape our conversation. And then, you know, I offer a lot of reflections and a lot of my role I see as the host. And this is, again, I'm realizing like I do definitely have the listener in mind when I record a conversation because I do a lot of translation work. You know, a lot of my guests are on social media, so they're not there to like talk about how to market your business without social media. So I'm constantly like after a guest responds, I'm normally like sharing something that really resonated for me. And then I'm kind of translating their work into the off the grid framework, where we're talking about marketing without social media, where we're talking about marketing practices that grow your audience, nurture your community or sell your offerings. Like I'm always playing that role. Um, In human design, it comes from my undefined throat center. (laughs) Like people with an undefined Mm. throat center are really good at translating between like frameworks and ideas and audiences. But what do I think makes a good conversation? Well, I'll tell you that what I think makes a bad conversation, the conversations (laughs) I never want to listen to 
like, this is a controversial opinion. So I'm going to just say it, but Please. <laughs> whoever decided, and I, I have done this. So like, it's a critique of myself as well. But like, sometimes I think that the podcast book tour killed the interview podcast mm. because it's like, even my favorite author or writers, I like, they will just, they, they say the same thing on like all six of my favorite shows. And I, I think a lot of that is a failure of the interviewer. Like I will put it back on the podcast host somewhat. Like you didn't ask different questions. You didn't go deeper on this. You kind of let them give you their spiel and left it at that. But I just, that's a conversation I hate. Like I hate listening to a conversation and feeling like this person has said this a million other times. I could, it, I could have heard this anywhere. I listened to them. I want a conversation to feel like it only could have happened between these two people. And it really got into something that maybe not they've never talked about it before, but they're not talking about it all the time. It's going somewhere different and deeper and with a different angle. Um, and that's what I think makes it resonate. That's what makes it such a good conversation. Mm. Yeah. I mean, as you know, I, I was on the other side for a while helping Christy out with book PR, which I'd never done before, but I was mm-hmm. essentially doing what I have received. I was sending what I receive all the time, <laughs> which is pitches. Yeah. And yeah, it it is on. I And I try to do that to make it like, I don't want them to. And I think that's what Jason and Chris do so well with how long gone. They're not going to, they're specifically not going to talk about the thing the person's trying to promote. And yeah. they're going to shoot the shit because if someone likes them shooting the shit, they're going to mention it and then they're going to go look it up. And yeah, if they, you know, completely talk about it, they might be like, okay, I'm lost interest. And it's, <laughs> yeah. a, it's a really, it's an interesting it's an interesting thing. Um, I, yeah. I think you were going to say something else about conversation though. Oh, no. I was going to say like, I have also, I, you know, I did a podcast book tour. My book came out. I'm not here to critique anyone doing it or sending the pitches, but it's like, there has to be something more than just like promoting something to make an interesting conversation, which is why I loved having Christy on off the grid because, you know, her book is really about like, wellness and social media. And that's not specifically what off the grid is about. So we were able to kind of come at the conversation from such a different angle that I think we got at things that she wasn't sharing anywhere else, which is great. Like, that's what I want. I love listening to writers on podcasts, but I just need there to be something more than simply like, oh, I could have just like skimmed your book or read the promo materials and gotten this exact same thing. Couldn't agree more, truly. and. I think that's something that e- even the like origin story, I think you would hear ever if you have someone you really like and then you hear them on a bunch of podcasts, it all starts to sound the same. Everybody starts mm-hmm. to sound the same of I got here and then I got here and it was tough and now it's better or <laughs> it's still bad. And you know what I mean? It's like, God, I'm just, you know, and I'm, I have done that many, many episodes and same I, when I had my book come out, same thing. I had my talking points and, you know, the, the people, the yeah. promotees don't want to do that. The promoters don't want to do that. We got to, that's a, you know, a, an interesting challenge and gosh, Amelia, I have so much. I still want to <laughs> talk to you on and you complimented my preparation. So I'm just going to tease all the things that, <laughs> that we didn't get to, to, mm-hmm. to try to coax you to in the future, <laughs> be open to returning because, I am just so grateful for taking so much of your time. And now I'm aware of your time. And 
and we'll let you go. But and you know, offer if there's anything else you want to share. But I will just humor humor me for a moment. And mm-hmm. I I wanted to talk about zone of genius and and how it mm-hmm. relates to your career and a skill coming easy to you and that being the thing that that you do. I'd love to to talk about that a bit related to conversation relation related to to all sorts of things. And I really wanted to talk about the stress of organizing it all when it comes to a podcast specifically, but just in general of someone who does a lot mm-hmm. of things, right? As you spoke about, you have several projects in general and several uh, offerings and also just the way that you consume content and and what you said Mm -hmm. your dream day was the need for systems. And I know (laughs) you have a lot of work around that, that I would love to dive into. I wanted to get into the myth of meritocracy and, Mm -hmm. and I have another quote of yours that, that I I was going to read. And I don't know, maybe I'll, maybe I'll put that at the end of this, but the, the quote is about finding pleasure in the challenge of taking on an experiment and iterating over and over again and having mm-hmm. to redefine and redefine again and again in, in business. And if you don't like that, if you don't like the shifts, you're you're not going to be able to keep up. And I and I I wanted to end with with that, which we're which I'm half doing now, because that's sort of the theme of, of this episode. You know, I think I was I was a bit vulnerable. Um, to the point of tearing up at one point because of the way that mm-hmm. that this this podcast has has gone for me and given me so much and continues and 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 I hope does continue. Um, and and your work is is so meaningful to me. But that that bit about how we constantly have to evolve and change and be okay with that was so evident today in your reflections around the future of podcasting as well as your past in podcasting. And and I think that this conversation and those things that I wanted to ask you today that we didn't have time for will continue to be relevant and Mm -hmm. increase in relevance in the coming months and years. And we will need to discuss in a proper episode, I'm thinking probably our (laughs) poster scenario. (laughs) Yes. Well, thank you for, I kind of love that instead of like closing all our loops in this conversation, we've just opened <laughs> even more. And I I do really look forward to those conversations. And I think, yeah, in another season, really tapping back into that zone of genius purpose stuff, I will say that like behind the scenes, a lot is shifting at softer sounds and with off the grid and folks are going to see the offerings change and some new things emerge in the fall and the start of next year. And I think, you know, if we reconnect in a few months or even in a year, I'll have different perspectives on on all of that. And I just really look forward to it. And I'm just always honored to now have been a let it out two-time guest and to join that like hallowed crew of cool people you've collected. Oh my goodness. Well, well, I thank you so much. And, you know, as they say it, I, I don't, I believe chilies or Applebee's, we do things a little differently here at Let It Out. <laughs> Instead of ending with, you know, closing the loop, we ask them, we just throw a bunch of questions. We can't even have time to answer because it's been two and a half hours. The se- actually more like four. Um, 
God, Amelia, thank you so much. I, I so appreciate you. Is there, if there's anything else you want to share, let me know. And then if not, we'll do the deep breath. I think I would just invite folks to come hang out with me on Off the Grid. If you're still here, you will probably enjoy some Off the Grid episodes and grab the Leaving Social Media Toolkit. And I can't wait to get to know all of you as well. So thanks for listening. Absolutely. And I'm going to, I'm going to plug all that again in the outro. You're about to hear it in a few seconds. And I'm (laughs) going to have all the links to that in the, in the show notes. So thank you, Amelia. Um, Let's take a deep breath. Inhale. Let it out. Ah. Thanks, Katie. Okay. Thank you so much for listening. That was my episode with Amelia Ruby, founder of the incredible podcast studio, softer sounds and author 50 feminist mantras she's a book she hosts the podcast off the grid check out everything she does and you're not going to follow her on instagram tell you that much go back and listen to our last episode if you want to know more about that why she's not there and in the meantime i'm going to just tell you one more time if this did for some reason, make you want to start a podcast, we're here to help both Amelia and I one-on-one or in a group in the podcast kit. If you just want the marketing and monetizing a la carte or the interview kit, that's there. And if you want to know more about the talk kit, or if you skip that ad, I'm going to tell you a little bit more right now. It's in process. It's something I'm making. It's the newest kit in the bunch. I'd love to have you. Thank you so much for being here. If you want more content for me. I have a Substack now, a newsletter I've done for a while. It's now on Substack called Let It Out Lists, where I send out a weekly dispatch. Field Notes was the last one where I told you what I was listening to, what I was wearing, what I was eating, what I was thinking about, what I bought, what I received in the mail. If that sounds interesting to you, that's there. If you've had enough of me, no problem. No problem at all. I've had enough of me, honestly. This podcast is produced by Brianna Bain. She's incredible. She's my friend. And I will catch you soon. Bye-bye.